Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, a podcast that steps into alternative education, parenting, and living a funner, fuller family life. I'm Robin, home educator, unschooling mom to two funny, eclectic kids, and we're here to create a space for families to listen, connect, learn from others, and be inspired. Join us every two weeks to hear interviews and tips from experts in learning, education, and parenting, and stories from families that are playing full out in the arena of life and education. World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. I'm Robin Robertson, and I'm the creator and host of this podcast. And welcome, welcome to this journey that I love to share the journey of my family and the journey of other families. So I am a home educating parent. I've got two kids. And as of now, which is the spring of 2022, depending on when you listen to this episode, I wanted to share the date. Uh, It's been over nine years and counting that we've been on this home learning journey. And whether you're in the beginning of your own journey, halfway through, near the end, or just thinking about it, just here to learn a little bit more about what it's like, you are welcome. And with this podcast, the reason why I created it is, one, I had so many questions that I wanted answers to about what can I create for them? How can I give them the opportunities? What if we live a life that isn't in the classroom? How will it turn out for them? Do I know enough? Am I good enough? All of the ifs and hows, the fears and the doubts. I realized I wasn't the only one who had these questions or uncertainties. So many others had them as well. And so this place is a place, a platform to answer the que- those questions, to quell those doubts and fears, to learn more, to find resources, to share our stories, to be inspired, and to build community, to connect with others as well. So first, before we begin this wonderful episode with Leslie Jones Sessler, I just want to give a shout out to my wonderful patrons that have been supporting this show and continue to support what we do. I'd just like to send a special shout out to Cindy Gaddis, Chrissy Florence, and Carly Cardwell. Um, I never want to miss anyone, so sometimes I might have a little bit of a repeat, but thank you so much for joining Patreon and being part of the community. So I just wanted to share as well a little tidbit. So there's something new for patrons. I often, you know, I have my clubhouse and my club on on the clubhouse app, Honey, I'm Homeschooling, and we host rooms three to four times a week, uh, discussion groups, uh, community, which is free. Uh, Anyone who is welcome to join and join our discussions. Um, Through that, we have a special extension as well, Kelly Edwards with a 90-minute school day Her and I have teamed together to each year bring a wonderful homeschooling summit to you. We had our last one in March, How to Be an Awesome Homeschooler. So that is also an extension of community and resources and network and inspiration and knowledge. If you caught our last one, we had some amazing guest speakers and conversations. We had Ainsley Arment of Wild and Free. We had Karima Akila of the Genius School. We had Karen Ricks of our kitchen classroom, and we also had Leah McDermott of Your Natural Learner. Like, it was amazing. Such powerful speakers, and everyone brought such unique gifts to this journey. And 
as well, if you're a patron, you'll know that through the Patreon community, I share special downloads or things I'm thinking about creating that I, I share and ask for feedback on. Um, some that actually patrons might only patrons might ever see. Some they'll be the first to view it and then and have access to it before I release it elsewhere. Um, all those downloads, like my my home educating with purpose PDF, that helps to brings those questions to you to help you understand your values and purpose for your family home learning journey, my game schooling guide, uh, things like that you can also find through Patreon. Uh, I share early episodes and sometimes episodes that might not ever go to air um, that you might only have access to through my Patreon. But here's another thing I do. I do a monthly Q&A, live Q&A. But I want to shift it because I know and hear the importance of community. And so many have been asking me, they're like, we want a live you know, t- chance to be together through video or however it needs to be sharing our questions and concerns that come up. I hear that. And I've had my masterclass, which will I will continue. The next one for sure is going to be in the fall, early fall, um, where it's, you know, close and personal. We meet for once a week, two hours a week for a month and, you know, go into deep discussions on de-schooling and addressing your fears and building a supportive, loving learning environment uh, within our home environment. Uh, Those things we go through intimately and it's a capped number because I don't want it to be too big so that we can be open and share. But I recognize as well that this Patreon community is wonderful and thriving. So this is something I'm introducing. Here on Patreon, I'll continue with the monthly Q&A, but it's going to be a live video call and a monthly meetup where it's our community, where you can bring your questions and we'll work through and discuss. Um, It will be more intimate than the way I do the Q&A right now on Patreon. It will be a set time every month so everyone knows when the community meets. Uh, So as of right now, it's open to everyone in my Patreon community. In the fall, it might shift a little bit. But for now, if you're looking for that community connection, if you know my work, if you've listened to this podcast, if you've joined my clubhouse discussions, if you've been in my masterclass, um, you know, this is, if you if you want to connect with others on this journey, then this is for you. So I suggest going to my Patreon. It is patreon.com slash honey, I'm homeschooling the kids, and I will have it in my show notes as well. If you want to click and join the community, um, do so now, and I'll share in my video on Patreon how it's broken down as well. So this is just the beginning stage of this. It's going to flourish and blossom and grow, but I'm just giving you the insider info for now. So having said that, I I want to introduce this episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. It's with my friend, Leslie Jones-Sessler. Leslie began as a listener, a regular listener on my podcast that, you know, she had joined, she attended some of my live Zoom Q&As on unschooling that Judy Arnell and Golda David and I held. She joined Clubhouse and has been a regular contributor to our wonderful community and discussions, and we've just gotten a chance to connect and be in touch over this time. And uh, she's a wonderful person. You probably have heard her on my podcast before on some of the clubhouse replays that I've shared. A great one was building literacy at home. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it because it was myself, Leslie Jones Sessler, Tyra Hunter, Demetria Giles, who's also been on my podcast before as well, and Leslie's sister, 
Elsa Jones, and we talked about all the ways that we build literacy within our home learning environment and how it's not just this textbook or this grammar lesson. It actually starts from the womb. It starts from when they're young. It starts with the things we do and engage in. And we talk about all the ways that we can do that with our kids um, in our everyday. Okay, so now coming back to now, Leslie's coming on the podcast. Just her and I had this intimate interview, and I really wanted her to share her experience as an educator. She's a teacher. As a administrator, she has been a principal and a superintendent, and she's done a lot of work with um, alternative education as well and worked in uh, schools that really support child-directed learning um, and alternative education. So, but now she's an unschooling mom. And I really feel that her experience and knowledge is really inspiring, but also informative because someone coming from a very strict educational background into the unschooling world and what that means and has meant for her and the shifts that she's had and the questions and what that looks like for her and the things that have really helped her along the way, we get into all of that and her ideas on learning and education. So I know this is an extremely valuable episode enjoy and reach out to both Leslie and I. I have uh, her contacts shared in the show notes as well. Um, So yeah, enjoy the episode. Okay, welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. I'm excited today to have our guest, Leslie Jones-Sessler, joining me today. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Robin. I am so honored to be here. And I'm happy to have you. So Leslie Jones-Sessler is an educator, a former school administrator, now turned unschooler. She unschools her six-year-old son, and you can find her on her blog at watchmonkeymama.com and follow their unschooling journey. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, Leslie, on this podcast, what I always want to do is I want to showcase different stories and and experiences from families that are following their homeschooling or unschooling journey. And I think it's really important to have the different stories because not everyone is the same. We all come from different backgrounds and experiences, but I still find that we can draw from or connect from each story that we hear, whether it's similarities or differences, but there's usually something that we can take away that we can apply or try or learn from, or that can also just give us a certain frame of mind that maybe we didn't have before or an outlook that we hadn't yet stopped to to consider. So each family and person that joins me on this show has a unique learning journey. And usually that learning journey is based on a framework of beliefs and values around learning, around childhood, around parenting, and around self-expression. So you are an unschooling mom to Sammy, your six-year-old, but your background is in education. So you were a teacher and former administrator. How did you go from school? (laughs) And I mean, you have experience in school (laughs) and teaching in the classroom and running a school. How did you go from that point to unschooling now? So I kind of thought that I would probably be homeschooling Sammy because of where we are 
geographically located. So I grew up in New York and I also spent time in New Jersey and also Ohio. And there are lots of wonderful progressive schools in those states. And I am a progressive educator. I love everything that there is about experiential hands-on learning. I love for children to have voice, um, critical thinking skills. I love for them to be valued. And I had wonderful years as a teacher and as a school administrator in progressive schools. My husband and I are now living in the state of Indiana. And when... Sammy was uh, probably about two or three years old. I started looking into the types of schools that perhaps he would attend. And I just didn't see the schools out here that I thought would fit the bill for progressive education. And so in the back of my mind, I thought, well, maybe at some point I might homeschool him. And I thought that would probably happen around age six. Well, I also did visit our local school, Robin, and I had a meeting with the superintendent separately as well as the principal separately. And I also wanted to know about, in addition to the educational philosophy, I wanted to know about diversity, especially being a black woman who was a black teacher and a black principal. And I know that if diversity is important to you and a priority, you can definitely have diversity when it comes to staffing, which is what I did when I was a principal. And I took in the data and it just did not look good. Sammy probably would not have had a black teacher until probably high school. And just knowing the era that we're living in uh, with my goodness, systemic racism, critical race theory, George Floyd being murdered. I mean, just so much was going through my mind, my husband's mind, and we really value diversity. We love diversity so much. And so I just thought, okay, perhaps I will homeschool him again, age six. Well, like many persons, when 2020 and COVID hit, that pretty much redirected everything. Sammy was attending a wonderful preschool three days a week. And of course we pulled him out. And so next thing you know, I'm online like a lot of I guess, new homeschoolers to be, and I'm looking for curriculum. I'm looking for what type of progressive education curriculum am I going to use with my son? I always knew I would take little pockets of what I did as a progressive educator. So for example, writer's workshop, reader's workshop, responsive classroom. These are wonderful uh, different curriculum programs that I've done over the years and I absolutely love. And when I threw the question out there, to other homeschoolers, uh, progressive education homeschoolers, I came upon this self-directed education, like just philosophy, like what is that? And one thing led to the uh, to another. I started reading uh, John Holt's book, um, How Children Learn, and I then started to do some more research, and I came across you and what you do in terms of self-directed education and unschooling. And it just seemed like I went down this rabbit hole where the next thing I know, I'm on Clubhouse, thanks to you. I'm meeting other self-directed uh, homeschoolers. And I really saw that this was a really good match for our family, self-directed education. I never thought this would be the route that we're taking, but it's actually working 
for Sammy and for our family. So that's really what happened. It started at age four. I was thinking we'd have until age six, but again, with COVID, it was accelerated. And I never, ever thought we would be self-directed in homeschool <laughs> ever. And, and here we are almost two years later and, and just having a ball. So that, that's that's what happened. So maybe I can also backtrack a little bit in case anyone is listening and, and just to clarify in some vocabulary as well. Um, so what do you define as a progressive school? What's the difference between a progressive school and a regular public school, for example? Sure. Okay. So the way I like to differentiate the two, I think of traditional schooling and I think of progressive schooling. Okay. Good. Different. And I think, I think of, for example, choice. I think that children have more choice, more decision-making, more ownership, more power in a progressive school. Uh, I think a traditional school, there's, there's more, there's more, um, structure. Uh, It's rigid. Uh, It's pretty much more teacher directed, whereas in a progressive school, it is child directed. Uh, In a a progressive school, it's more democratic. Um, A progressive school, children have a say in what they want to do. Um, Of course, there are the parameters of the day and the subjects that you have to, of course, take. But there is more decision-making power. There's more voice. There's more selection. There's more freedom. When I think of a traditional school, I hate to say it, but it reminds me of a prison. And that's when I was a teacher. That's that's what it was like for me. Uh, it was rote learning. It was a lot of memorization. It was skill, drill and kill. Uh, so much testing. It was teaching to the test, uh, stratification, the ranking of classrooms. I was a teacher where my students, my little five-year-olds, my kindergarten students were uh, at the bottom of the track. I, Rob and I, I literally would walk into the building and clock in as a teacher in this traditional school and above the time clock would be our test scores. I mean, think about the control, think about the damage, think about the labeling, like you are a bad teacher, your students are bad, like your students cannot pass this test. And uh, trying to go- five. Even at age five, yes. So many spelling tests, spelling tests, right? Sitting in in rows of desks, not in groups, okay? So then when you look at the opposite of progressive education, my students, yes, we had exams, but we also, for example, I did multi-age teaching. So I literally, one year, I had grades four, five, and six as a teacher. And if my students did not perform, as well as they could, it was okay because they could spend like another year with me. I would I would loop, I would go up the next grade level with them. Uh, there was, I was able to have a voice and whether or not um, they needed maybe the fifth grade curriculum or the fourth grade curriculum. Uh, the, we had family conferences, for example, where the students were there, the parents that were there. We met as a group. We worked together. Uh, parents were their child's first teachers. Like we were really more of a, of a unified um group working to help our children. And so with progressive education, it just seemed as if, even with reading, for example, libraries were a plethora of books, right? Where students read on different levels, uh, different genres. We valued reading, we valued literacy. Uh, My children love to learn how to read and I love to teach them reading. And again, traditional 
it was every child read the same story. Every child was like a one size fits all. Uh, we made the assumptions that teachers, I had to have a script. I was not, I guess, smart enough. The teachers were not smart enough to develop their own lesson plans. So that's how I define it, where there's more freedom, there's more flexibility. Uh, it's about the child more. It's all hands on. It's experiential learning Uh that's how I define progressive education versus traditional education. Okay. Okay. So that's really clear. Okay. And then I would like to ask you as well, from your background in progressive schools and progressive education schools, do you see a difference between child-led learning or child-directed learning and self-directed learning? Do, I'm sorry, could you repeat that question? Yeah, absolutely. Do you see a difference between child-led learning and self-directed learning? In comparison to progressive schools? Or just in compar- in comparison. And the reason why I ask, I'll give you a little bit of background. I, I, I've been lately more so than before, I've been asked this question between, you know, um, child-directed learning and self-directed learning, especially unschooling and what it is. And um, with progressive education, for example, progressive schools, you're talking about one of the features is uh, child-directed learning. It's more child-directed. And so do you find that there's a difference between those two terminologies of child-directed and self-directed? I know some people do. That's why some people don't. Some people just are like, no, the child is just considered a learner. And some say, well, child directed is within the framework as well. It depends on the environment and context within the framework that children have choice, but maybe they have, they're given the choices. Like here's five choices you can choose from one, as opposed to here we are, I'm supporting whatever choices you make kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And so uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it, it's for the first time. It's interesting. When I first started on this journey, I I was thinking that okay, there's traditional education and there's progressive education, and that I I, I would put child self-directed education unschooling together, and I would couple that with progressive education. And then a few months ago, I believe it was in one of the clubhouse rooms, and. I think it was in Galileo. And one of the uh, presenters helped me to realize that there's even a difference there. So even in a progressive school, it's not completely like self-directed education. You know, it's there are still some parameters. So as much as I would like to say that a child in a progressive school has like 100% freedom and flexibility and time and space to do what they want to do, that's incorrect because I still had to, as a progressive educator, I still had to follow the curriculum. You know, there were some freedoms there, some flexibility there, but still it's not like a hundred percent self-directed education. I I hope I'm I'm making sense there. So it's Mm -hmm. almost like there's three different pillars, you know, there's traditional, there's progressive, and then there's there's self-directed education. So what I'm doing with Sammy here at home is completely different than what I would even be doing or what he would be doing in a progressive school, even the best progressive school, there are some differences. Um, and so I, I had to come to that realization that even though I love progressive education, um, there are still many restrictions 
you know, um, when it comes to to teaching and learning and, and, and honoring a child's own decision to do what he wants to do, because that just is not the case in progressive schools. Mm-hmm. I hope yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's perfectly clear. It makes a, a ton of sense. Okay. So maybe you can tell us a little bit more about how that looks for you now than with Sammy, because you said what you're doing with Sammy at home is not, is different from what would happen within the progressive schools. So what does it look like in your home? What does learning or what does, um, yeah, well, what does learning look like for you guys? Sure. And how is that different from the progressive schools? Sure. Well, I, I always like to think about, um, for example, the teaching of reading like that. That's really big um, in terms of a big difference, um, even with progressive education. So and, and again, I like to look at it in three different ways. So if it were a traditional, then Sammy would just have one book that he that I would be teaching him out of. Uh, and it would be stories that I had already selected or rather the school has selected. And there would be all these assumptions made and that's not what I wanted him to have in a progressive school. Then of course there would be again, a plethora of books and I would be using readers workshop with him where I'm having reading conferences with him. I'm sort of pushing literacy in a comfortable way, but every week we'd have a reading conference. Every week I'd have to have him sit with me and read a passage of text and ask him some questions about it and have him in flexible reading groups with other students. I mean, there would still be this gentle push to get him to understand phonics and uh, and literacy and to see him developing as a reader and a thinker and to have him to be prepared for the exam, right? So that would still be happening in a progressive school. At home, Sammy is completely becoming a natural emergent reader, like completely 100% on his own time, on his own schedule, in his own developmental ways. And so the way that looks at home is, I'm not pushing him. There is a love of literacy that is so organic and so beautiful and unique. Um, For example, he will be talking with me or he may be listening to his iPad to a show. Something may pop up in his mind, a word. It could be a game that we're playing. And for example, if it's the word backpack, right? Recently he came to me, he's like, Backpack, mommy, mommy, backpack, backpack starts with the letter B. And he was so excited. And it was so natural because it wasn't like I'm sitting here doing a lesson on, and here's the B letter, and B is this kind of a letter, and this is the sound that B makes, and we're going to make words that rhyme with. I wasn't doing any of that. It's so 100% organic. And when I say that, I do so many high fives in the air to myself. I have moments where I just like have tears in my eyes. It is so beautiful to see this little boy becoming a reader without being pushed, 
Um, he's being supported because in our home, we read all the time. You know, in our home, I might say, Sammy, let's read some books. And he'll say, sure, should I get five or six books? You know, and he'll just go and he'll get books. He has his own selection. He belongs to a, a reading club, a book club. Books come to the house. We love going to the library. He chooses his own books. Of course, I may get some books as well. But it's it's so beautiful because what I have done is I have totally let go. And for me, it's Sammy is an independent reader when he is six or seven or eight, nine, 10, it's perfectly fine. And that's a big difference because that could not happen in a progressive school. We still have our parameters, our restrictions. We still have to make our goals, right? We still have to get students up to the next grade level. And here with reading, with writing, with mathematics, with science and, and all those things. I know I'm saying it separately, but it's not separated here. It's, 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 it's not isolated. This is all together. We're doing all these things together, all these subjects together. It's all happening according to when he, it's supposed to happen with him. And, and I, I'm not looking at deadlines or timelines or looking at standards or comparing him to other children. And, and it's, it's the most beautiful thing I've, I've seen. So mm. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> so I I um <clears throat> I I love that and I completely hear that. And and the best is I love I hear the love and passion in your voice as well too, which is which is beautiful for me to hear as well. And I would like to ask because you know there are actually more and more educators that are turning to homeschooling. I hear from a ton <laughs> that are messaging or Ian, you know, I've I've been a teacher at this grade for this many years. I'm now deciding to homeschool my own kids. Um, but it it's interesting because you hear both sides of parents who are not who their fear is that they can't homeschool because they're not a teacher or trained educator. So their fear is that they're not good enough or they're not capable enough. But then on the other side, I hear from a lot of educators that say, you know what, it's really hard for me because I'm an educator and I come from these standards and expectations that have been so ingrained and so strong because that I then have to put them on to my students that it's really hard for me to let go. Yeah, And I found that you don't seem to have had as hard as a, of a time letting go of those that strict structure and standards and classification. Um, so yeah. what, you know, why is that? What do you, is it just you or, you know, is there something that's helped you to kind of be, to let go, like you said? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I have noticed that too. Um, I think for, it's funny. I, I think for a while, I, I thought there was a moment at the beginning of my journey when I was like, oh, de-schooling, like, what is that? that that's not me at all. <laughs> I, I think I may have even talked to you about that at one point. I was just like, oh, no, I, I'm not, that's not an issue with me. And it wasn't until one of your clubhouse sessions and I, I wear my heart on my sleeve, you know that. I think mm -hmm. I broke down because I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I, I still face that at times, you know, it's that inner chatter, right? It's that negative yeah. self-talk. And for me, I think the biggest difference why I probably don't experience it as much as other educators, I think progressive education has a lot to do with that. I really, really do. Because 
again, even though there were restrictions, I had a lot of freedom. Right. I, I really learned that there was value in seeing that when I was a teacher, I had a classroom full of diverse readers on every reading level. And I valued each one. I did not see my, my children as a one size fits all at all. And I differentiated instruction for each child. And I celebrated all of the wins, all of the victories, right? And, and, that, and that was how I was trained as to be a teacher. And that was with reading, that was with literacy, that was with mathematics. And so with Sammy and, um, and with the de-schooling process, I, I'm able to really shut down that self-negative talk um, when it shows up. I, I'm able to recognize it quickly and I'm able to call on my accountability partner. You know, my sister Elsa and mm-hmm. she can mm-hmm. check like that. Like, no, Leslie, like, do not, do not pull anything out. Do not start comparing, comparing Sammy to other children his age at all. Um, and I'm able, to, I am able to look at the whole child. I am able to see Sammy as a whole and not, not in little parts like, well, he probably would be on a different reading level, maybe, or a different math level. I mean, I'm I'm just, I don't even look at him that way. I look at him as a whole, like, what is he doing today right now in this moment? And is he happy? And is Mm -hmm. he full of joy? And is he alive? And am I giving him enough time? Is, you know, play, I'm a huge play-based advocate. So uninterrupted play is huge in our home. And so for me, I'm able to see so much value in all of that. And then in his conversations, in his, um, in the choices that he makes, in the way he carries himself, in the way that he hops and skips and leaps throughout the house and he just dances and he's so excited. Like, I know that my child is learning and he is alive and this is so good. And so I just I just shut that down for me. But a lot of it does come from from being trained that I need to see my child as a whole and 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 not in these little negative parts where a lot of traditional um schooling systems will see children and break them down. Right. Okay. Okay. It gave you that experience and that practice as well and that mindset and belief already. Okay. I, I, you know, it's one of those things where I think I wish more, <laughs> you know, I wish there was that opportunity for more kids and more students within the system, right? Within the within the traditional system as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I do too. I do too. I would also say, Robin, that, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I think I think educators need to, if they're going to consider homeschooling and perhaps self-directed education, unschooling, I really think they've got to be able to to combat that negative inner chatter, that self-talk, and they've got to keep the naysayers out. Mm. Um, will, and, and it's funny, even though it's, it's interesting because I've discovered that there's two types of naysayers. So there's, there's a naysayer that when they have questions and, or they have make statements and it kind of seems like, like, ouch, that, that hurts a little, right? Um, I honestly think they are, I have to stop because and think about pausing to know that they are just trying to understand the process. Right. So their questions, yep. their statements, it's because they 
just don't know. And I have to realize that their questions, even though it might seem like an ouch moment, it might seem like it's threatening. It's because this is new to them. Like it was new to me. So they just don't know. And I have to give them grace. But then there's the other type of naysayer that no matter what I say, no matter what Sammy does, you know, when he opens his mouth, when he expresses joy and they see how happy this little boy is, they're still going to be negative. No matter what I say, they are forming an opinion and they are just ready to tell me that what I'm doing is not going to work. That what is this, this crazy thing? Like what is unschooling? What's self-directed education? How is he going to go to college? Um, how is he going to make it to an appointment and, and, and value time schedules? I mean, I kid you not. I once, like Sammy gets up on his own every single day. He gets his 10 to 12 hours of sleep a night and he goes to sleep when we go to sleep. So there are times Sammy might go to sleep at 10 o'clock at night or one o'clock in the morning. And he wakes up when he wakes up. But there are some persons who are like, well, how is he ever going to make it to an appointment on time? How, like, what are you talking about? He's going to be fine, right? Or, you know, what about college? And what do you mean you don't test him? How do you know he's doing well? You know, what do you mean you don't use standards? And I sometimes say maybe it's because I, I am an educator. Maybe I have like this internal cheat sheet inside of my head where I can sort of look at him and be like, okay. Maybe he's not grasping this skill just yet, or maybe, oh my goodness, whoa, he's like on a completely big, bigger, higher, accelerated level, right? But even, even in those conversations with myself, I let go. It, it doesn't drive me to suddenly push harder or or even push at all. Like I, I just, I let it flow. I let him lead. I, I learned from trusting him, from observing him. And, and it's all good and it's all beautiful. So, mm. yeah. Um, I remember years ago when we were in the beginning of our homeschooling, I think a few years in, and the school that we were registered with as homeschoolers, they had offered because it was actually the old school that my kids used to go to. And they, um, they, they were pretty progressive, but they also were fairly academic and in, in like testing in different ways. Right. So um, they had said, well, you know, they had offered to, for me to test the kids just, they were like, you know, then you can see, you know, you can, you can do some, you know, language arts and reading testing and we can do some math testing and then you can have an idea of where they're at. And I remember thinking, like, I thought about it and I just, and I'm like, I was like, well, just give me, I'm not going to give you an answer right now. I just need some time to think about this and I'll get back to you. And I know it was like, like they were just helping, right? It was a form of support and they wanted to make sure I had access to resources and everything like that. But it was the first time I had ever really thought about, because I used to be very on the opposite end, like protesting, pro let, like this school is good because they've got these results and they must be doing well and all that sort of stuff, right? Really misunderstanding a lot of it, right? And I remember thinking, okay, so what's the result for us as homeschoolers with this testing? We, my kids do this test. And what do I say? Like, you're doing this. We want to see where you're at because then we'll decide if you're good enough or not. <laughs> you know, what do you really say to a child, right? About why all of a sudden you're going to do this testing. And then I thought if they do really well, then we'll be really happy and praise them and think that they're great. And I don't know, push them harder or like not worry about it after that. 
Or on the other side, if they're not excelling in all the areas, then it's going to be worry. It's going to be concerned. It's going to be like, well, maybe we should, you know, the conversation and our feeling of our homeschooling is then going to shift either way based on this testing. And, you know, then it was like, well, if we don't test, how will that change things? Um, And we decided not to test because we felt like the, the end goal of the testing at that time was not in alignment with why we were homeschooling then. Um, And we didn't need to know those things because it would shift our homeschooling in a way that we didn't want. So yeah, it made me think about that. I haven't thought about that in a while, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a lot becomes a lot more about the individual person, like the the learner, the child. Like when you said, you know, your concern is, you know, what is he, what he is he doing today or right now in this moment? Is he happy? And that you're able to see the value in that and how much that brings to his life and to the rest of your life as well, which is, I think, a shift when you start adding those other layers, right? It really is. And I, I, I don't want him to be a number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be grade. Um, I've seen, I've seen what that did to me. I saw, I saw what that did to me, and I, I, I saw what it did to my students when I was a teacher. I saw what it did to my students when I was a principal. Um, because even in the progressive schools, when I was a principal, our students were, they were so happy and they were doing well, and then. At one point, they had to take a test and they weren't the best when it came to the results. And we had to make a shift because, again, this is a progressive school, but suddenly we had to figure out, okay, what is it that we can do to help them? And what we did back then was we started a Saturday Academy. We partnered with an organization of women and they came in and they were wonderful and they helped our students for a few months. And, and, it was really great. Our students actually, they improved um, with their test scores. And, and so it worked, but I still remember just the pressure, you know, the pressure from my assistant superintendent, you know, coming down on me, like, here we are, progressive school, our, our, our children love reading, they love reading, they love writing. And now we're saying, well, because you didn't do so well on an exam, now we've got to change things. Right. And right, I yeah, just don't, yeah. I don't want Sammy to be part of that. I want him to really enjoy reading a book because he wants to read the book and he wants to go into the imagination of some other characters in a different setting. And I want him to learn something new, not because he's going to be graded after he completes this book on a set of questions and he has to write an essay and he has to regurgitate it to me. And I have to, I have to, you know, um, write up a narrative about how he's doing. And, and then I have to compare him to other children, his age in the state of Indiana. Like, I don't want to do that. I just want him to be a natural learner, a natural reader, a natural writer. Um, and, and, and yeah, so I, I don't even know about the testing. Like if ever, I guess what you cross that bridge when you get to it, like maybe at some point I talked to some homeschoolers who say that they did not pull a test out until maybe in middle school for their children. I'm just not there yet. And I don't see why I need to, because it's so good right now and it's wonderful. And 
I, I, I sometimes have really bad feelings about what testing can do and gradings and, and a percentage. And I, I don't want that for Sammy. He doesn't even know what a test is. Um, or yeah. <laughs> a percentage. It's, it's quite beautiful. It's like, he doesn't know what that is. He doesn't know what a spanking is. He doesn't know what timeout is. Like, it's so different, Robin. This has been a complete <laughs> journey. I'm, it's, it's just talking with him. Yeah. Like talking with him, talking to another human being and telling him how I feel, how I value him, how I love him, how I like him, uh, giving him decision-making power, let, letting him be, letting him direct his life, his path. And and, and I, I do all the enhancing of curriculum by looking at what his interests are, what his passions, his, his um, what he's focusing on. And then sure, in my head, I'm thinking, wow, um, perhaps, you know, we could do some math in this area where it's unbeknownst to him that he's even doing it because it's game schooling and he's having so much fun and or it's baking. We're in the kitchen a lot. And um, this morning, uh, oh my, what did I do? I, we were in the room and. What was, oh, he was he was measuring his dinosaur, right? And he's like, "Mommy, I'm gonna get my ruler and and measure my dinosaur." Like that's <laughs> math, right it there. Is, I was yeah. like, "That's right, Sammy." And let's look at it. He's like, he's talking about centimeters and inches, and like it's all because it's applicable to his life and what he wants to do in that moment. And and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is a beautiful thing. Yeah, natural learning, the natural learning process that is so beautiful and supports curiosity and wonder, right? It's like, you know, having wonder, you know, thinking how many times as adults do we still have absolute wonder in the world and the beauty of that just innocent wonder in so many ways, right? Yeah. Like, like, Like your inner child. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I would also like to kind of backtrack a little bit um, because I, I also just know from from you and our conversations, uh, and I think this might be important for others listening as well. When we were talking about shutting down the negative self-talk, you know, when I'd asked you about being an educator and some of the hard things that to overcome because of being an educator when you're shifting to self-directed learning and homeschooling, and you had mentioned the value of having an accountability partner. Yeah. And so I, well, I know your sister and Elsa, she is your, like, not only she's an accountability partner, but she's an advocate for you and Sammy. So, you know, maybe, um, maybe you can talk a little bit about that as well. And the importance of like even one person that we can reach out and connect with to be an advocate or an accountability partner for us, just as that those times when, you know, we all need those little reminders, right? Or that little bit of encouragement as well. And how did Elsa become that for you? Because she's an educator herself as well, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She is, she is. And a huge play-based advocate. And uh, she goes into a different Head Start developmental centers and she will help teachers, help parents, help families, help children. So uh, this is her expertise. And she comes to visit me at times and she's just in awe with what Sammy is doing, what he's saying, um, how happy he is and It's so important to have your accountability partner. It's so important to have your tribe. Um, I say it's so important to do your research and to be able to respond when others are going to ask questions and sometimes come up against you. Um, 
Elsa is my person. She's my accountability partner. Uh, you are a support system for me. Uh, there are so many others that I can name that I've met through Clubhouse, uh, um, through groups, Facebook groups. Um, it's it's so important because if you don't have someone that you can turn to, then I think you might end up reverting. You might end up suddenly doubting yourself and not trusting the process and not trusting your child. Uh, you will start to think that, well, maybe I do need to pull out a, a box of curriculum, right? I need to assess them. I need to be able to start to compare them to other children um, his age. And I don't want that for Sammy. So, so for me, I, I definitely have to know when again that inner chatter starts when it's negative for me and what that looks like um i need to quickly shut it down and for me when i shut it down i need to call upon my sister or call upon somebody else and i need to trust the process and i need to look at my child and see that he's all right and he's happy and he's learning and he's growing so so yes um, everyone needs get your accountability partner, get your tribe, do the research, read the books. Um, so many persons have done this before, way before I did. I mean, I've only been at this for two years now, but, um, and even as an educator, uh, you know, there's so many myths about homeschooling that yeah. you, know, you, can't, you can't do this unless you're a teacher, right? Unless you're an educator. Um, there's no socialization. Um, are children going to go to college? Uh, I mean, there's just so many myths and that couldn't be farther from the truth. Like you do not have to be a teacher or an educator to do this. Yeah, that's that's the path that I took, but I never knew I'd be a homeschooler ever, ever. I never <laughs> thought that would happen. And look where I am now. And I have learned from so many persons, so many homeschoolers, so many unschoolers that have never been in the classroom. You know, some some persons, I don't even know if they have a degree. That's not important to me. It's not important. It's do you love your child? Do you mm. know your child? Do you do you know your child's interests and passions and what they're good at and, and, and what they're asking, what their wonders are, their curiosities are, what they have a sense of learning more about? Are you making those connections? If you can't teach them something, are you looking out to see who can? Are you finding the mentors? Are you finding the apprenticeship programs? Are you finding maybe a virtual program, uh, a class for them to take? Are you making those connections? Because that's what the real world is about, right? Even when we finally, if, if we go to college and we work in the real world, that's how we're problem solving by talking to other people who had backgrounds that are perhaps not similar to how ours is or was. So why do we feel like it has to look a certain way for our children? If we know that eventually down the road, it's, it's going to be a, a different way. So if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. I know yes. I said a lot, but yeah, you, you need to find your tribe, find your, find your accountability partner and trust the process. Um, and just let go, let go and enjoy the moment. It goes yeah. so fast. It does. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and feel like you're not alone as well, that you're not, you know, forging this path brand new and that you look around and there's nobody else around that there are others and that you can build that community. Absolutely. It, it's, uh, it's comforting, but also encouraging as well too. 
Oh, oh my goodness. So encouraging. Yes. <laughs> so I would like to know as well, I know we're getting to our time as well. And, and um, I mean, I, I have a whole bunch of other questions, but I thought as, as well, we could maybe talk about, um, you know, were there other any obstacles that you faced so far as a homeschooling parent that we haven't talked about? You talked about, you know, the naysayers, you've got the two different kinds of naysayers, um, the shift in being a an educator to homeschooling and to self-directed learning and the de-schooling process, right? The always the <clears throat> the negative self-talk as well, shutting down the negative self-talk. Were there any other obstacles that you faced so far as a homeschooling parent? And if you have, how else were you able to work through them so far? Yeah, I, I think you you mentioned the, the biggest ones definitely knowing that children can become readers, for example, on their own naturally. That was that was a huge shift, even coming from progressive education. Um, and then of course the testing, uh, that was a big obstacle, knowing that I don't have to test him to know how he's doing. Um, I would say maybe another one is perhaps, I don't know if it's an obstacle, but it's it's definitely um the acceptance of things that are different. So just like the liberated routines, I guess I would perhaps call it, uh, knowing that Sammy doesn't have to like ask permission to do certain things. You know, he doesn't have to raise his hand. Uh, he doesn't have to uh, be quiet and put a bubble in his mouth uh, when he is supposed to be quiet. He doesn't have to walk in line. I'm thinking about things that would happen in a traditional school and maybe even sometimes in a progressive school, you know, still walking in line. Um, he doesn't have to learn within certain time limits. So if he wants to spend the entire day or hours on end playing with his Legos, that that's perfectly fine. And there's so much learning that comes with that. And I know that others looking at would think that, oh, well, he's just playing all day, but it's not that he's just playing. I mean, that's how children learn. That's their work. He is learning cognitively, right? Socially, even socially, he's talking with me. He's talking with my husband. He does have friends that he's socializing with, even with COVID, it might be through technology and whatnot, um, or some play dates, but he is more social here and in homeschooling than he is if he were in a classroom. Um, so those are probably my biggest challenges. I do sometimes wonder, Robin, when we do get back outside again um, after COVID, um, like what those challenges are going to be. Um, we've been inside for two years now. Mm, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. and yeah. I, yeah, and, and I and I wonder if. I wonder what it's going to be like when we're at the birthday party, right? <laughs> when you start going to birthday parties or play dates. Because um, I sometimes see on social media. Uh, so for example, if one of his peers, his mom shows a certificate, for example, right? Like, oh, my child was the the class child and look has made effort in this or right, perfect yeah. spelling test score right. or this or that, you know, or we start thinking about reading or just how children can come back and they can hurt each other. You know, I, I wonder if Sammy's ever going to come back to me and say, you know, so-and-so made fun of me because they, he's here. She said, I didn't know whatever. 
And it's like, how, how, how's that going to be handled? Even though I'm sure Sammy could go right back and say, well, look at all the things I do know that you don't know. I mean, so I think those are going to be some challenges that come my way. And it'll be interesting to see how I handle them. Um, but for the most part, I think I've gotten over a lot of those challenges because I do know that reading doesn't have to be the way it is in school, learning how to be a reader and the testing. You do not have to test your child to see how your child is doing and your child doesn't have to ask permission and doesn't have to have certain things given to him and have an order of events that happen that you control. It doesn't have to happen like that with, with unschooling self-directed education. It really can be a natural, beautiful process. So yeah, that's, that's how I'm dealing with the challenges. (laughs) We're dealing with them pretty well. And it's true. Some of them, we don't know until we face, right. They come up and then we, we deal with them as, as we need to at the time period. And it'll be interesting for sure, because I think, you know, we've kind of all in the world lived a bit of an isolated life for quite a long time now. (laughs) It's been actually a while. Um, So (laughs) it's going to be interesting to see how things shift and evolve and, you know, and um, how the communities form and support each other or not, or feel different as well, right? So I think it's going to be an interesting time again as well, but uh, I think that'll be good. It's, you know, that is the one thing I've missed that um, I really appreciate and maybe probably took for granted as well in the homeschooling journey is before how much, as much as people say, oh, what about socialization and all these sort of things? Even in the small rural community we live in, there were always a lot of things happening, like activities and, you know, parents organizing things and days or events and things to be part of enjoying or to visit. So, um, you know, that's definitely missed for sure. Gatherings and and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I would like to I'd like to see that again for sure. The interesting thing I've also found is even within it, we've managed to um, have space, but then also fill our time with other things or create other things, I guess, in place of. So, um, but, you know, I guess that's how we evolve and still, and still keep up with things as well. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing the different shifts that occur. Yeah, me too. It'll be interesting when, when, when we get back out again, yesterday we were, we had to go to the store and I looked around and, um, there were reminders of what life used to be like when Mm. we were out and about. Um, And I even said to Sammy, oh my goodness, like we used to go to the indoor park, you know, it was right across the street from us. So we used to go to the the painting studio um, like every couple of weeks. Uh, We used to go to parks. We, uh, I'm sorry, when I say parks, I mean um, like uh, indoor play parks and the Science Central Museum and uh, other museums. We just used to do so much on the inside and so many play dates and all of that sadly has been taken away. But I really feel confident that Sammy's going to be perfectly fine when he yeah. gets back into it again. <laughs> um, and I think I'll be more prepared as well to answer whatever questions come my way. Cause I'm pretty sure they're coming my way. I have yet to be the oddball in a group of moms where 
they're talking about school and who's your child's teacher going to be next year. And, you know, all the conversations that I used to be part of, right. When right, I was yeah. a principal. Um, and then when they want me to be on and explain what I'm doing and all the questions come at me, but I am stronger today than I was two years ago. And look, if they don't see it in my child, they're going to see it in me that right. we're not going back. <laughs> this, this, is, this is amazing. And um, I want to be a spokesperson for it. You you can actually do this and do it with so much happiness. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Well, I think I think that's a great point to end it on. And uh, I think, yeah, continue being a spokesperson for it. And, you know, we 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 appreciate what you're doing and and we need to hear more of it for sure. And I think it's it's so good to hear more stories from families that have chosen to create that journey for themselves and their family. So thank you. I definitely want to say thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, my pleasure. I was, it's interesting. I was the other day, I think I put up on social media. uh, It was an awesome homeschool day. And Sammy was just in the moment, just, just running around the house. And he was just uh, jumping on the couch and had his feet up in the air. And he was so happy. I remember that post actually. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. And I, I took a picture of it. And it's interesting because I put it on social media and then someone wrote curriculum. (laughs) <laughs> and I and, and and that's where I have my accountability partner. I, right. I I talked to Beth Elsa and I'm like, I don't even know how to approach this. And then I said, Yep, I wrote back, I said, Yes, the best curriculum, letting children lead, like uninterrupted play. And I just left it at that. But it's like, oh gosh, what is this all about? Another day <laughs> So yeah, it's it's interesting, Robin. It is, it is. I do remember that post. You know, but it's it's also interesting because by doing what we're doing and speaking about it and sharing it, just doing that, just living our life this way pushes button. It makes people uncomfortable. And I think that's also part of the journey is for us to get comfortable with knowing that not everybody is going to be comfortable <laughs> with us because I think just by our choices, it's testing or pushing against some um, boundaries, some firm boundaries that people have created for their lives. And it's like, you know, for some, they feel very, you know, it's black and white or colors strictly within the lines. And then anyone that is like, you know, those different shades or adding some pink to it or coloring, you know, outside of that circle or outside of that square, it it's, you know, it causes discomfort for some. So, um, and, you know, everybody each in their own time and place. And for some, they might, something may change and shift for them where they become a little bit more comfortable with shades of gray, or they become a little bit more comfortable just seeing or talking about, or with somebody like us that is doing things a bit differently within time, or maybe they might not, I don't know, but, um, that that's what I, you know, find too, is just sometimes just the act of sharing is, you know, it causes discomfort for some because of many different reasons, but it's usually their own personal, (laughs) their own personal reasons, their own personal thing that they got going on for whatever reason that they've then created these, these beliefs and values. But 
I also think that's the beauty of our world is that we are not all the same, that we don't often in the box. And that's why we have these. That's why everything actually really is not just black and white or even gray. That's why we have, you know, there's green and there's magenta and there's purple and there's teal and there's blue and the even the oceans are never one color. Right. It's, know, it's so beautiful. That's the beauty of it. And that's how we get to experience and learn and why we can, why there's curiosity, because then we know there's more out there and there's other things to experience and learn instead of like, no, this is always just going to be this way. Then why would you want to explore something when you know there's not going to be any change or any difference? So yeah, it's still, I think it's still important and uh, still brings beauty to our world and to our learning. So what, one of Sammy's favorite shirts, I, I think, I, I I know I purchased three of them. <laughs> three years old, and it's a it's a color outside the lines. Mm. When I saw that shirt, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get like a size two T, three T, and a four T. That's a good I, one. Oh my, I just love that. I I want him to color the elephant purple, and I uh, he does not have to color within the square or like you know whatever. Like just be you. And I I do sometimes wonder when. When others, I think it's a lot of work. I think when others see Sammy sometimes on social media, I sometimes wonder, especially if they have children his age um, or they know children his age, if they wonder like, like that seems too good to be true. Mm, like how yeah. is it that, how is it that he's so happy? Right. And, and, and how is it that she's a she's an educator and she's allowing, she's allowing this. Yeah. How is she advocating this and saying that this is all good? Um, I sometimes will see, I sometimes will see pictures of, of other children, his age that he knows. And, uh, and sometimes they're, they're sitting at a desk, you know, and they're the look on their face as they're doing their work uh, it, it's almost painful to watch at times, Robin, because I'm not saying that they don't have any free time or any fun, but you can see a lot in a picture, right? You can read a lot with the child's expressions. And and I, I almost wish that we could see more of what Sammy does on a daily basis that we could see with other children, even those who do go to school. Um, and that's why I really wish that parents, even if you are in a situation where your child has to go to school and you, you can't homeschool, like take the moments outside of those, like that schooling, like in the mornings, do something fun in the mornings, do something in the afternoons and the evenings on the weekends, like connect with your child, find out what your child's passions and interests are and be unschoolers or, you know, self-directed learners, like in your spare time outside of what is more in a box for your child. And I think you'll do a lot with bonding with your child and um, a lot with social and emotional learning and your child just being a happier kid, I think. So it's, it's just things that I, I notice with, when, when it comes to other children and and I don't know, it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of sad, but it, I'll tell you, it's, I really think I'm going to be like, what is expression, Robin, when you're like, um, when you're on an island by yourself, I, I sometimes do feel that like, for example, I'm, I know we're going over. I'm sorry. No, I, I'm okay. out here in Indiana and I think there's one unschooler that I met. I think I met her in your, in your club uh, and she's out here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I'm looking forward to connecting with her. Nice, yeah. Uh, there's an unschooler organization. It's about 
an hour and a half away from me, but of course I will definitely connect with them. I don't think there's going to be a lot of us where I am. And right. so it'll be interesting to see what that's like when, when the world opens up. So I don't know. I may have to create a group. So we'll see. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, you you might just maybe even with this episode, start creating your own and attracting others. They're like, you know, I thought there was no one else out there. And then I heard you and, and, you know, let's get together. Yeah, absolutely. This can be the start of creating that. Thank you. Absolutely. And I think that was great advice as well for parents, especially because that was one of the one the questions that I wanted to ask you is, you know, words of support for parents that, you know, would love to make a change with the current learning or um, learning situation or environment they have with their kids right now, but they can't, whether they're working or they just have, you know, they just feel there's a lot going on for them. You know, how can we best support their children's learning from home? And really, I think that's it. How you said, like, take some time in the mornings or after school or later on. And that connection is key, right? It's um, It's so key. It is absolutely. And just those moments are those important moments to take that time to, to just connect and hear them and listen to them or support them in that way that they need. So. Yeah. yeah and, and yes. And, and I also know that so often we with parents who can't homeschool, like they're letting the system define their child. Mm-hmm. And that's so hard to let go of. You know, again, it's that grade, it's that numerical value, that percentage. And I really hope that that they can see beyond that. So for example, if there's a child that maybe your child's not doing the best when it comes to maybe fractions, right? For example, in mathematics, but do game schooling and find some games where your child is doing fractions in a fun and engaging way. And there's laughter and there's excitement, there's engagement. And you're like, wow, look at how wonderful you are in fractions or go into the kitchen and do some baking, some cooking and let your child understand that you are smart. This Mm -hmm. test does not dictate who you are. This test does not dictate the rest of your life. And that is what I really want parents to, to know that you, you've got, yes, yes, there's the box we put our children in and school systems, but you've got to do more at home. And like we said, before school, after school, on the weekends to really bond with your children and let them realize that do not let the system dictate your direction and your child's life. Do not. That's the worst thing you can do is just to keep giving into that. Do not like, do not do that. So, yeah. 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 And and so many of us have been so accustomed to it, right? It it definitely takes an effort to stop and reflect on that and and ask ourselves why and how we can do a different course of action and different direction as well. Because it's not just our kids, because I find as well that what happens is there's still that thread that we feel it defines us as parents. So when our kids succeed within that certain environment, we feel like, yes, I'm succeeding. I'm the good parent. You know, I've done my job. I've been doing a good job. Um, And but that definition of success is an interesting definition of success in that way. So and yeah. why does the school have to be the one that defines success? That's a great why question. Do, why why does have, it? Yeah. Why? Like, yeah. Like you're telling me that you know more about my child than I do. Yeah. Yeah. You're telling me that unless my child performs a certain way, my child is just mediocre, just, you know, yeah. average or, yeah. or, or below, like. So how you're already you- writing my child's future. 
by yes. saying like, or saying, saying like, they're not going to amount to this, or they're only going to be able to do this, or this is what's going to happen to them in the future. It's like, but they're 10, <laughs> like, or they're 14. Like, really? Do you know, you know, all the, all the people that I knew that, and I've heard, I heard that, you know, people mm-hmm. like, you know, people referred to that by educators or at, you know, like, oh, they're not going to amount to anything in life. And you know what? And they did. They actually did really, really well, despite (laughs) those things. Right. So, and, but it was other things in their lives that actually led to the support system and the other things that they ended up having outside of the school structure that didn't help them. It was those other things that helped them do well. Yeah. And it wasn't defined by the grades that they got. Right. And don't we want children to be lifelong learners? Yes. Like, why does schooling have to stop? Like, oh, when they finally get that degree and then it's like, okay, go out and get a job, make something of your life. Like, no, if there's something that you want to learn when you're 20 or 30 or 40, it's up to you. Like you should be able to direct your own path. It's up to you. It's your choice. It's, it's your interests, your passions your choice, whatever you want to do. And as a parent, I want to support you. I want to be your biggest cheerleader, your biggest fan, your champion. I want to support you. And so, because I know schools, some schools will break you down and it's, it's horrible what's happening to so many of our beautiful, precious children in this world, because they're just letting schools and parents who believe in these schools to break them down. And I mean, that's a whole other episode, right? How mm-hmm. detrimental that can yeah. be. So yes. yeah, I don't want that for Sammy at all or for any, any child for that matter. Yeah. Well, I think our world can be a better place as a whole by yeah supporting our kids just to be themselves from early on and for them to feel supported and, and to, and to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of having to change to fit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, thank you, Leslie. I uh, am so appreciative that you were able to join me today. And I know this will be a great support for many listening. Uh, And if you're an educator listening and are considering homeschooling, definitely reach out to myself or Leslie. I'm going to put your blog, Leslie, Watch Monkey Mama, the, the link in the show notes as well. So if anybody wants to go to your blog or contact you and I can, I'll put your Instagram on there as well. And they can just go to the show notes and click the link and then they can be connected too. So thank you. I appreciate it so much. And I appreciate you so much, Robin. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise. I'm I'm so glad that we got to connect and yeah, that's why I love this podcast because really this was like this is what did it right so um I appreciated you reaching out and I mean we've been in touch now for a while so yeah it's good it's good to have community absolutely yes and I've learned so much from you so I am so honored I really am and just want to meet you in person one day I know me too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm, 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 I definitely want to have like a honey, I'm homeschooling the kids gathering, I think, yes. or, you know, and do like a little travel, a little uh, travel and, to, and just stop off, stop off and, and see everyone and yeah, yes. and connect. And, and then I don't know, it'd be great to have a big party event or something like that. Oh, so we'll see. Right. We'll see in the future. Yeah. Okay. I should start planning it now. So it's ready. <laughs> yes. Yes. Please do. I'll be there. <laughs> All right, Leslie, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Robin.
Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, leave a review or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, and reflections on the episode. You can go to the website, imhomeschooling.com, or email me directly, robin at imhomeschooling.com. Thank you.